hope you'll open up your Bibles to the tiny book of Philemon that is found between Titus and Hebrews. And tonight we're going to study from the book of Philemon as we particularly notice the runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. What we know about the book of Philemon is this. This book was addressed to a member of the church at Colossae by the name of Philemon. And it's a book that was written by the pen of the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this while he was in prison. Just as he did Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. Evidently, this man to whom Paul is writing, Philemon, was one who was converted by Paul himself. I believe that that's true because of verse 19. Paul says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Now, Paul was asking Philemon to accept Onesimus back into his care. Onesimus, the runaway slave, and Paul says, I could say this to you, O me, because I was the one responsible for your own conversion. And you know that we owe the Lord everything that we have because of his salvation. But we owe so much to the one who told us about that salvation that is in Christ. And so Philemon is a convert of the Apostle Paul. And he evidently was a wealthy man because of the church had gathered in his house. We have to have a a large enough house with the church together. And not only that, he was a slave owner. But he was also learned that he was the leader. We also learned that he was a leader in the church of Colossae. Now, Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. Now, for whatever reason, Onesimus had left Philemon. He has fled from Philemon and he's not a Christian. And so he fled to Rome, perhaps thinking that he could get lost in this imperial city and be left alone. But at some point along the way, he comes in contact with the Apostle Paul, who you remember is in prison. Now, if you're ever introduced to the Apostle Paul, you're going to have to talk about Jesus. That's just a, that's just a given. You're going to have to talk about Jesus. If somebody's never met Jesus, but he meets the Apostle Paul, you know what's going to happen. You're going to talk about Jesus. And so when Onesimus meets Paul, Paul's going to talk to him about Jesus, about what had happened. And he he talks to him about Jesus and seeks to convert him and seek his salvation. And so through the teaching of the apostle Paul, this man was converted. Notice verse 10 of Philemon. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. We see that while in prison, Paul says, I converted this man, Onesimus, your slave. 
Now, when I read this very touching letter, the book of Philemon, I can tell you that not only did Paul convert Onesimus, but he likewise, he loves him. He loves him as he would Timothy, his son in the faith. So often, Paul says, I'm writing and I bring regards and greetings likewise from Timothy. And how did Paul identify Timothy? As my own son in the faith. Here, Onesimus is likewise described as the son of Paul. He looks upon him in that way. He loves him in that way. But not only that, Paul says, Onesimus is a great help to me. I depend upon this one that I have converted. Look at verse 11. Which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Now I understand that when he left, he wasn't helping you. He was of no profit to you. But since his conversion, Philemon, he has been a tremendous help to me. And I know that he can be to you as well. But here's the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, I know that he's done wrong by fleeing and by leaving you. Therefore, I know he has to come back because that's the only right course of action. He has got to go back and make amends. And it could be that Philemon, that you wanted him to stay with you, and that's fine. I can use him here, but he has to go back. Because the reason for him leaving and coming to Rome was not right. You know, sometimes I've, I'm asked, what do we do when, about those who are here illegally? You know, the illegal immigrants. And that's a hot button politically today, isn't it? But I know this, if I come in contact with someone who's here illegally, I first want to share the gospel with that person. Wouldn't you? Yes, I would think you would. If I had that opportunity, I would share the gospel to that individual. And then I must say, you've got to go back. And that you have to come back in, in the right way. Through the proper actions and motives that is due you. Paul says, I'm going to send Onesimus back because that's the right thing to do. But he says, he's not coming alone. He's going to be with him, Tychicus. Tychicus will be with him. And so Paul was sending him back, but will send him back with his beloved friend and trusted brother in Christ. Now, go with me, if you will, to Colossians. And so you can put your little marker there on Philemon. And we'll come back to that. But go to Colossians, if you will. In Colossians chapter 4. And we want to look at verse 7 specifically. Colossians chapter 4 and then verse 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So Paul says to Onesimus, You've got to go, but you're going with Tychicus. 
And what is Tychicus going to do? Well, he's going to have a letter from the Colossian church. All right? A letter from the Colossian church. But he's always going to have a very personal letter for Philemon himself. Now, one reason that somebody needed to go with Onesimus is because there were lots of slave catchers traveling down that particular way from Rome and other parts of that particular world. And so obvious, Paul was concerned about that. They might just snatch Onesimus up and he'll be lost in the shuffle. But he didn't want that to happen. And so he wants to make sure that Philemon's reaction to Onesimus along with the brethren is what it ought to be with Tychicus. And so Tychicus will go as long as and be a protector of Onesimus. And I think that we see something right here about the beauty of being brothers in Christ. Now, as we think about this particular epistle that Paul wrote to the the Colossians, you will note that Paul in his salutation said that I'm Paul, the apostle of Christ. Why did Paul do that? Paul would write to the churches and saying, I am, an, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's establishing his authority of who he is. But in the salutation, in this very personal letter to Philemon, it's interesting how he introduces himself. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. That's a beautiful personal letter, isn't it? Look at verse 4. Paul says, I thank my God, back to Philemon there, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. I know particularly for preachers, letters sometimes are sent to other brethren, and when the name is signed right alongside of it, it will be probably Philemon 4 or maybe Philippians 1.3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And it is just to let that person know that the one with whom we're corresponding, how much he or she means to us in Christ. Paul says... I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. Isn't it good for us to pray for one another? Yes. You know, Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. And yet we know that he also intercedes for us, Romans 8, 26, that the Holy Spirit likewise intercedes for us. And we're taught to intercede on behalf of each other. That simply means that we take each other before the very throne of God. And if someone says to you, I'm praying for you, does that not mean something? Yes. I know you are going through a tough time right now, but I'm praying for you. And listen, we must not just say that to anybody. We must follow through with it. If you're going to say to somebody, I'm praying for you, you better be praying for them. Don't just say it just to give some false comfort to somebody when you're really not going to do anything about it. If you say, I'm praying for you, mean what you say, and indeed offer up prayers on behalf of somebody else. Now, Paul says, when I pray, Philemon, I'm remembering you. 
Now here's the major theme of this little short book. It's found in verses 15 through 17. The theme is this. Philemon forgave Onesimus and welcomed him home. Look at verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that though that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Philemon, you, you love me and I know you do. Philemon, I know you feel as if you owe me. Then when Onesimus arrives, treat him just like you would treat me. For just a moment, I want us to consider this idea of Onesimus being a slave. Who has to go back home. We hear a lot today about the evils of slavery. But what does the Bible say about it? Well, slavery is mentioned a lot in the Bible in both the Old and the New Testaments. And it does appear that there are some governments and some individuals who are harsher taskmasters than others. For example, we know that the children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage, right? And Moses records that those in Egyptian bondage had suffered greatly of rigor, hard bondage. But it was also true that there were some slave masters down through the years who were not as harsh. Slavery was widespread and it was accepted throughout the Roman Empire. And those who were slaves were looked upon as property, not as human beings. And yet it seemed that there were so many who were in the position of master or slave owner who were more lenient than others perhaps would be. And so I like to think that Philemon would have fallen into that category. That during this particular time, the history tells us that masters oftentimes were more lenient and would even share their trade with their slaves and teach them how to apply their own particular trade. By studying this particular era, we learned that the slave owner would provide for a slave as an employee, but sometimes they would even become very good friends. Some slaves during this time would even receive a, a trial and some of them would have the opportunity to become free men. And so it's true that the New Testament does not direct attack uh, uh, slavery. But I think that we all, if we're all honest with ourselves, would note that slavery violates the very spirit of Christianity, doesn't it? But here's what I have to learn. When God had sent Jesus, he was a whole lot more interested in changing hearts than being involved in social reform. He wanted to change hearts. And so over and over again in the New Testament, we see how spiritual equality is stressed. In Galatians 3, in verse 27, for example, For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Then verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor slave or free, neither is neither male nor female, for ye are all one. Where? In Christ Jesus. 
And so masters themselves are taught to be very careful as Christians how they ought to treat their slaves or servants. In Colossians 4 and verse 1, it says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master of heaven. Now, who's going to read that? Who's going to hear that proclaim? Philemon would hear it. When this particular letter, the Colossian epistle is read in Colossae, Philemon is going to have to hear this. Now, I know that he has the obligation to treat those who are his slaves or his servants in a Christ-like way. But more important than freedom from God's vantage point is this transformation from a man being a slave to a brother in Christ. What does he say to Philemon? Paul says, I want you, Philemon, to accept this man, Onesimus, back as your brother in the Lord. He's coming back. He's, more, he's wanting to make amends. Please accept him, but don't accept him as your slave or servant, but accept him as a brother in the Lord. I want you to remember that the good quality that you have in Christ. Now, what's going to happen to this system of slavery over time? If you're changing people's hearts to be more and more like Christ, See, you already know the answer. You already know what you're thinking. The abuses of slavery will end and eventually Christian principles will just totally wipe it out. Where Christian principles have gone today throughout this world, slavery has been abolished. It is commonplace to abuse somebody else, but, but with these Muslim nations and these heathen nations, where Christianity has been rejected, that slavery is still accepted, it's commonplace to abuse somebody else. But to exert one's power over others and to force others to do your own will, that runs against the spirit of Christianity. And so Philemon understood this. And so when Onesimus comes back, you're to treat him as your brother in Christ. And that's going to heal some wounds. Now, at some of our schools of preaching, we have individuals who come from different states, from different social backgrounds, from different racial backgrounds, and others who come from foreign countries. But every man is to be treated the same in Christ, and every individual understands his responsibility. That's how it's supposed to work. They're able to get along. They're able to accept the fact that they come from different backgrounds and different areas of the world, but they're able to work together in Christ for the cause of Christ. Where is that unity found? It's found in a special brotherhood, and that's the brotherhood of Christ. And so here's a man named Philemon, a slave owner, who is a church leader, who is told that when you get your slave back, you don't treat him like a servant. You treat them like a brother in the, in the Lord. Now, three quick points I want you to remember from the book of Philemon. Number one, this book speaks about providence. Providence. Look at verse 15. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him 
forever. Providence is not God working in the miraculous realm. It is God being able to work within the laws of nature, still providing for you and for me. It's how he fulfills Romans 8 in verse 28. And Paul says, I don't know whether or not this is God's working, but perhaps it is. Paul says that providence is perhaps. Perhaps all of this came together to accomplish God's end. To bring Onesimus to a right relationship in Christ and back to Philemon and establish once again a proper relationship. When Joseph had considered his brothers in Genesis 50, 15 through 21, as he considered his brothers' plight, they were fearful. They were afraid that Joseph would turn against them once their father had died, Jacob had died. But Joseph reassured them when he said in verse 19, he says, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Genesis 50 and verse 19. You see, God intended for good. He intended for good. No, God, no, God did not make you do what you did, but your hearts are changed. My heart is one that wants to be like God. And so Joseph says, I've forgiven you. Everything's all right. You don't have to fear me anymore. God has saved a whole bunch of people because I came down to this place. And so your reason for sending me here, no, it wasn't right. It was evil. But God turned it all out for good. You don't have anything to fear. You know, I wonder sometimes when we get to heaven, when we look back over the course of our life, that we might look to the Lord and say, oh, (laughs) so that's why that happened at that time. So that's what you were trying to get across to me. That's what you meant by this. You were working it out to accomplish this. And now I see. Providence, perhaps. And here's the second word by way of alliteration. The word is pardon. Pardon. Look back at Colossians chapter 3. And notice what the Colossians are going to hear when they uh, are in the assembly. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And Philemon had to hear that. Those words had to ring in his ear. Now, does Philemon owe the Lord something? Yes, salvation is provided by the Lord. Does Philemon owe Paul something? Listen to what Paul says, Philemon 19. I have written it with my own hand. What has he written? That he will pay Philemon if he is owed anything. That if he's out of anything, he will pay him something. Paul says, I will repay it 
Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. So Paul says, listen, I will take care of any expenses that are incurred between, because of what Onesimus has done. But you know, on the other hand, Philemon, you actually owe me. You actually owe me. You would be a Christian, Paul says, if it was not for me. And so Paul says, accept them, accept Onesimus back just like you accepted me. And here's our third word, not just providence, not just pardon, but peace. Peace. Paul says, I could demand that you do this. Paul says, I have the right to demand you to take back Onesimus. I have that right as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he says, I, I don't want to appeal to you in that way. I, I don't want to come across in that way. He says, I want to appeal you, to you through love. Verse 8. Verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee being such as, and one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Would you do this for me through a spirit of brotherly love? Not only that, he says this about Onesimus. Look at verse 10 of Philemon. He says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me. Do you know what the name Onesimus means? It's right there in that verse. Profitable. Profitable. What Paul is saying is that the one name profitable became unprofitable to you. But now he is what? Profitable again. Once again, he's Mr. Profitable. Now he's living up to his name. But why? He has become a Christian. He is a brother in Christ. And here we see Paul as the peacemaker the peacemaker. Look at verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience, I write unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Paul's the encourager here, isn't he? He's like a great attorney. He knows how to argue his case, and he also knows how to win someone over to his side. But here's what I'm asking you to do, Philemon, but I know that you'll do it. I know you. I know the kind of man that you are. I know that you will do more than I'm even asking you to do because that's the kind of man you are. Very important. What's Paul doing? He's, he's bringing these two brethren together, isn't he? He's bringing them together. A peacemaker will sacrifice himself to make peace. 
A peacemaker will put out a fire instead of adding fuel to that fire. The peacemaker is willing to be wronged if that will bring peace. And that's the kind of man that we find in the Apostle Paul. What a beautiful, beautiful letter that Paul wrote to Philemon on behalf of a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. And when I study this little book, I think about Jesus and the scriptures always points us back to him. I think about God's providence. Jesus sent, according to Galatians 4.4, at, at just the right moment in God's divine providence. Likewise, to offer unto you and me pardon. And that's what he did on the cross. He died for our sins that we might be pardoned from our sins. And that brings what? Peace. That's right. Peace with God, Romans 5.1, and peace with one another as we're taught so often to do throughout the New Testament scriptures. This evening, I hope that you'll take advantage of that pardon that is in Christ Jesus. He's made it all possible. He's already done his part. He came to this earth to live and to die for you. Very personal. If you were the only one that ever lived on this earth and you sinned, Jesus had to come and die on that cross for you. Very personal. But if you're willing to accept that pardon that's in Christ by having faith and believing that Jesus is the Christ, repentance of your sins and that good confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and then go down into the waters of baptism. When you rise to walk in newness of life, a child of God, a Christian, you've been pardoned. You've been pardoned. And that brings about peace. Peace with God and peace with your brother and sisters in Christ. That's what it's all about. And if you're here and Maybe you just haven't had the peace that you should have because you've allowed sin back into your life. Repent of that. Pray that God will forgive you. The time is now. Don't wait. Don't tarry. But listen to the words of the song as Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As together we stand and sing.